Fabrengen is <clears throat> it's an experience. It's a gathering. You get together. And it's a conversation. So what happens is when you go to a class, to a shear, there's someone talking and then you're listening. Fabrengen has much more of the element. It is, that can also be a Fabrengen, but in general, it's got an element of uh, give and take, of conversation. And it's one of the most incredible things to do. <clears throat> Especially a year like this. This year is a year of gathering, a year of hakil. Every, um, every seventh year, the Jews would gather together, and that year became known as the year of hakil, which means you gather together. Isn't it powerful to be able to gather together, to be able to get together in the same, in like a group? So I'm going to throw out an opening, and it's really about a conversation, so feel free to chime in. But is everyone here in, uh, I assume everyone has single mothers, and I assume divorced or widowed? Yes? Okay. Anyone else widowed or just um, born one? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but so there's a power, right, in, in, in having other people who are in similar situations to you. Um, because it's one person meets the other one and says, Chazak, and says, listen, I get what you're going through. I'm also going through it. I know it. And then we work together and we strengthen ourselves from within. That's the power. So, um, you know, I got a call today and it was a very interesting, very powerful, <clears throat> deep conversation. So, a mother, she says, you know, raising kids, she's actually remarried and she has a bunch of kids and she says, I look normal because I have basically a lot of kids and all the kids are regular kids and everything's fine except for the one kid that was born before. She was like married for, I think, a short span of time and had one, one child and then um, it didn't work out. So now she's sitting over there and she's like, but the whole time this child is having a real challenging time and nobody even understands that I'm in that position because I don't appear to be in that position. I appear to be, you know, everything fine to the outside. But inside, I'm eating myself up, I'm suffering, I'm struggling. And the fact that my child has a place to go in my extended family, she says, just, just forget, I don't care what you do there. Nothing make a difference to me. The fact that the child just has a place to go and other people like them who are in that position is the most incredible thing ever. And then we're talking and she says, what's the difficulty? She's like, it's difficult raising a child when you don't feel like you have a partner. It's very difficult raising a child, period. It's one of the most challenging things ever. And when they're young, there's little problems. When they're big, big problems. And just when you think you're, you know, out of the babysitting stage and you can just do whatever you want, the problems begin. And it's really, really difficult when the challenges, the struggles, and the wonderful experience of 
raising children. And, and it's scary. It's very, 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 very scary. The risks are tremendous. The, um, the, the worry, the fear, the anxiety that every parent has over their child um, is very challenging. And, and then what happens? And then you get told, oh, you, by the way, you're alone on this. Now, there's, you know, there's a difference between being an orphan, being widowed, versus being divorced. What's the difference? The difference is, do you have a feeling of Rahmanas from other people? So they're both the same thing. They're both doing it alone. But the one is doing it alone, and people have compassion for you. They get that there's a problem. And the other one is, you're doing it alone, and the people are like, well, you did it to yourself. So it's your fault. And sometimes in the energy, it's like such hurt. Like, hey, this is not fair. Do you understand what I'm going through? Do you get even what I'm going through? And um, sometimes in our minds, it appears like, Hashem didn't want it to work, and not my fault, and I didn't want it to be this way. But that's the way it is. And so the pain is all there. So I'm talking myself, and that wasn't the point. And, um, you know, the challenge is, how do we strengthen ourselves from within? Any thoughts? What's the way to get power to overcome a situation and to download the power? What? Right. But just raising kids is already giving and helping others, huh? I have another one. <coughs> you want? Surrender. <coughs> Meaning you just say, Hashem, like your problem. Instead of like, no, just like, instead of like fighting it, why am I doing this alone? This is the situation. Kind of surrender again. Sometimes instead of fighting it, it helps. And it's constant uh, struggle, or just you surrender and it's gone? For me, in this area, this is not the struggle, but I have you surrendering in other areas. What's the real struggle? I've had a health crisis. So for me, like I put a sign in my room, just surrender, let it go. Like, you can't do things now? It really helps me. You're constantly feeling alone also, which I do. I struggle with not to have my kids with me sometimes, you know, when they're not with me. Surrendering helps. Surrendering means... I'm sad, but it helps. <laughs> surrendering means even though you're in pain, you say, Hashem. You like accept this. I'm trying to fight it all the time. Right. There's a, there's like an illusion of control. When things are going right in your life and things are amazing, there's an illusion that, oh, I got it I've got to figure it out. I'm secure. Like 
just like, this I know I can rely on. I know that my kids are going to be here every Tuesday, you know, and then all of a sudden when my ex calls, I'm taking the kids, and you're like, what? You know, and, or it could be anything. Your kid gets sick when you're about to go on vacation, you know. We're constantly... So how do you, what's your solution, you said? <clears throat> well, it's just adding on to what she's saying. But you're agreeing, surrender. I, I definitely feel, I mean, look, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> 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 I'm really being serious. I mean, honestly, I really, I, I break down crying, and then I end up calling, you know, my... Crying is part of it, my friend. Totally. No, I, I know. Cry, I end up calling people, like, people, and I'm like, please, please help me, like, just help me process this, because when you're, when I'm in that surrender stage, I'm kind of like, I don't want to. I, I know it's good for me, but I can't, I can't let this go. I need this so much. You know, and then and then it all spirals out of control. Like, oh, but Hashem, you know, this is not good for me. Remember, we had a deal. This wasn't supposed to happen. Well, those deals. Didn't work. No, not the surrender. Yes. Right, not up to the surrender. Right, not the surrender yet. Yeah. When no. you get there, then you'll feel. I mean, I I really I, I surrendered on so many other things that I feel like this this cannot. This one is not difference between giving up and surrendering. Right. I think you. You gave up on other things. Did you surrender? One is no, I feel like I gave up on like 90% of my stuff. That when it comes to the 1% or the 10%, whatever it is, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to surrender because it's such a, like, it's, I'm being selfish, but it's really, it's for me. Like, I really need this. So, so what do you do? You call other people and they, they, you talk it through. Oh. And then? Because they're just like, Tequila, take a look at yourself and see how far you've come. Don't let this tiny thing get to you. You know you're better than that. Mm. And I'm just like, fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know what I feel good after that? Okay. But I, I, I just, because I know my love language is the words of affirmation, so I'm, I need to talk to someone, and, and that's just how it is. So, so can we dissect that process? That's very powerful, <laughs> basically. What if, what if you could do that on your own? Like, right. Without having to call that person for words of affirmation, but you can say those words to yourself. Like, so I do do that, but it's very different when it's from someone else. Like I have to hear it. Like I need, I, I or need to it. build the connection between you and Hashem and be able to like look up and just be like. So I do do that, but there's no like talking back. What about journaling that? Sometimes writing it. Right, and then you're finding it within yourself. You're finding it within yourself when you journal, and then you're building your connection with Hashem also, and it it allows the surrendering to be easier also. I highly recommend trying to journal maybe even one page a morning. I'm telling you, you're going to see a huge difference. Such a commitment, man. <laughs> I just told Hashem I'm, I'm saying Brussels in the morning. Okay, listen, that's, 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 my, that's my journaling. That's it. I, I'm trying to break down your process. It's very powerful. Step one is feeling someone feeling your pain. Right? Yeah. Which is, which is a sense of, of actually um, empathy. So you're saying I can't emp- I can't self empathize. I need no, I someone. Really I just feel like I'm always talking to myself. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with calling somebody. I know I am. You need to call somebody. Somebody. You're like you right. don't do it. I'm like yeah. no, no, you don't do it like me. I literally do it like all day. I work from home. Guess who I'm talking to? Me. <laughs> Kids come home. I'm talking to me. They don't listen. Right. So it's good to have someone who actually understands. A good friend. Yeah. 
Okay, so step one is having someone who you can talk to. And you say to the person, you, you can tell them what to do. I usually, no, they already know at this point. They know just to throw it back at me. Like, no, no, Tehila, remember this? I'm like, <laughs> they already know. Like, they already have it down pat. And I tell them, I'm like, I'm not I'm calling to complain about this, but you know what you need to do. That's what I do. I'm like, I'm very up forward. I'm very like, hey. Okay. Tell yourself away. I am very. <laughs> right, oh, so very you're, prepared. <laughs> you're preparing yourself. Like, you're very so step one is to very get clarity on what you're feeling. That's really the actual, what, what they're giving you. Yes. You're talking through with them. You're saying, okay, now then I, tell me how I feel. Yes. Step two is surrender. Step one, the reason you can't surrender first is because you haven't got clarity on what you're feeling. Yes. Once you get the clarity, you know how to surrender yourself. Yes. Just, she just jumped one step ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> And then, it's very good to have like someone to bounce off things. Yeah, amazing. But you don't always have that. And you've got to be able to know how to do that. So what you want is just to crystallize how you're feeling. That's how you do it yourself. When you need to. Another person's amazing. Here's a quick thought. There's this unbelievable moment. Um, here's what happens. Yosef, troubled kid that he was. Troubled life, very difficult. And so there's one unbelievable moment in his life when he's about to sin. He's about to fall with Aisha's Potiphar. What saved him from the fall? His father. His father. Or his mother, it depends on the image of his father. Right. The image of his father that he hadn't seen for a year. He was in Potiphar's household for a year. So a year, a very traumatic year for him. And somehow he conjures the image of his father. He sees his father and he's like, okay, I can't do this. And he switched. But there's one next moment which is equally powerful, a lot less known. And I want to share that with you. The moment was, Yosef's already been king at that time for, um, he, was got, he was king for, Yaakov was passing away. So he had already been king for 17 years of, of where Yaakov was there and nine years before that. Right? So it was 39 years since the sale, 26 years from having become king. So he becomes king and he gets this extremely uncomfortable moment. He comes into his father and he says, um, his father calls him in and he says, okay, I'm asking you to bury me in I want to be buried in Hebron. And Yaakov listens, and Yosef listens, and he says, sure. He says, no, no, I need an oath. I need you to give me a promise. He says, I promise you. What happens next? Remember the story? Not so much. What? Not so much. <laughs> he dies. No, that's Not later. Still lots more going on before. <laughs> Yisrael, Yaakov, bows down to Yosef. Who is my son's partial sheet? <laughs> <laughs> His rabbi is very good. Very good mom. <laughs> and then later on, he comes in again, a second, calls him again a second time. That time, he didn't bow down. It says, Yisrael. he strengthened himself and he sits on the bed. And then he tells Yosef, he says, I want to give a bracha to your two children to give them a special thing to become shvatim. That's Menashe and Ephraim. And then he does like that. That you got from the parsha. Yeah. 
So, um, two times that Yaakov recognizes the power and the might and the kingdom of his son. His son is a king. The second time, he didn't bow down, he strengthened himself. What does it mean? He, like, he sat up. Because he said, Rashi says, he's my son's the king, I've got to be, I've got to give him some recognition. But the first time, he didn't strengthen himself only. He did much more than that. He bowed down to his son. Now, commentaries have a very difficult time with that. What does it mean he bowed down to his son? Why did he bow down to his son? So Rashi says, an interesting analogy, a marshal. Tala be'idnei sagidle. A fox, when it's his time, bow down to him. And Rashi is using an analogy for a reason. Why is he saying a fox at his time, time bow down to him? So some commentaries say the reason is because um, he's like, okay, a fox, even though he's not me, I'm, I'm, I'm the lion, I'm Yaakov, I'm his father. But when a fox is in his time, if you want something from him, you want your son to bury you in Hebron, it's going to be difficult. You want him to bury you there? You know what you've got to do? Bow down to flatter him. Then he gets flattered and he's willing to do it for you. Right? That's one explanation. The trouble is, can you imagine how difficult that moment must have been for Yosef? Imagine you, Yosef, you have this great relationship with your father and your father like, gets down and bows down to you? Like, would you cringe at that? You're like, Abba, I'm, I'm, I'm not your king, right? I'm, not, I'm just playing king, like to everybody else. I'm not your king. You don't bow down to me. Imagine how seriously uncomfortable he must have felt. Maharami Rottenburg was one of the Rishonim about a thousand years ago, a little less. He left town. He skipped town because his father was giving him honor and he refused to recognize, to, to receive honor from his father. <laughs> so Yosef must have been cringing. In fact, one of the things Rashi says he did was Yaakov made like he was bowing down to the Shechina. So he went to the Shechina on top of the, of the head of a, of a sick man. So he bowed down to the Shechina, but then he pushed his way and he bowed down to Yosef. Why did he do this? The Lubavitcher Rebbe gave an explanation very, very powerful in 1967. Here's what he says. Listen to this. He says, you know why I bowed down to Yosef? Because, not because Yosef was king, but to the contrary, the exact opposite. He bowed down to Yosef because he was concerned that Yosef wouldn't get, wouldn't accept his true powers of who he was. Why not? Because here's what's going to happen. Yosef is the king, but he's not really the king, right? What is he? He's the second in command. So the king is Pari. So Yosef's going to go out there and he doesn't really have power. Imagine what pressure Yosef would face the moment after Yaakov dies. Picture it. Yaakov was, he was like, you know, the famine ended when Yaakov, when Yaakov came to Mitzrayim because the waters of the Nile started rising up. When Yaakov left Lovon, Lovon was screaming, all my blessings in, in this place have all come because of you. You can't leave me. So he begged him to stay. What's going to happen is, and this is what, Par- what Yaakov knew, that Paroi is going to pressure Yosef to keep me in Mitzrayim. To keep Yaakov's coffin in Mitzrayim. And all the Mitzrayim are going to pressure Yosef. Now imagine what stress he would have to stand. 
If you are the king, then you're not a president of the United States where you have to worry about public opinion and being elected again or not. And even then, you could tell people, you know, I already finished my second term, so I'm good. Here, Yosef doesn't actually have power. Yakpara is the real monarch, so Yosef doesn't have power. So he's concerned that Yosef won't recognize who he truly is. So he goes over to Yosef and he says, Bury me in, in, in Hebron. You agree? Yosef says, absolutely. He says, swear. That's an extra power. You've got to take an oath. Okay, I'm taking an oath, Abba. And then his father says, okay, now comes this very uncomfortable move for you. You're not going to like this at all. But he gets on the ground and he goes and he bows down to him. And Yosef's like, what are you doing? I'm not really the king. And he's like, yes, you are. You think you're playing king? You're not playing. This ain't no game. You are the king. And when he saw his father bowing down, that was the first time he recognized that this, me, my power that I have of being king is real because my father's bowing down to me. So what his father was actually doing was strengthening him, was downloading the power of what you have. Why? Don't cave in to all the stresses and all the pressures and all the challenges that you're about to experience. Because everyone is going to stand you. And what happened as soon as he finished, indeed, Pari says, you don't need to do it. Don't bury him there. So Yosef's like, but I promised him. He's like, so what? So he promised him. So then the whole story comes along where he says, you know, hey, I swore to him. He says, so break your promise. He said, but then I break my promise to you too because, you know, you, I'm actually, uh, you know the story? I know, except in, in Mitzrayim, you get chosen based on how many languages you know. Pari knew 69 languages. Yosef knew Lashon HaKodesh also. He knew Hebrew. So that was the 70th language. So he says, I promised you that I would, wouldn't tell anyone. But if I break my promise to my father, I break my promise to you too. Do you see what insolence, what chutzpah Yosef has to have at that moment? Where did Yosef get his power from? Most Jews, on some level, are embarrassed with their own Jewishness. Like, we, like, I'm not, I'm not chosen, no. You're the chosen people. You're special. You're unique. Nobody has the power that you have. It's about internalizing the message of what you have. What did Yaakov do to Yosef? He gave him this unbelievable moment. He says, remember last time when you were about to fall? You saw the image of me? Well, let's do that again. It's a less known moment, but much more powerful in a way. So now Yosef's standing over there. A whole Mitzrayim, public opinion is totally against him. And so is the king on top of him. And Yosef stands his ground. He's like, nope. I am the one who decides. I promised my father, this is what's happening. How did he succeed? He didn't have the power. Pyro could have told him no. Could have figured out some way. How did he have the audacity to tell Pyro, you want to break that oath? I'll break the oath to you. He's not a friend, Pyro. Like that, that itself is chutzpah. He could have had him hanged just for that. Haman was also a second in command, right? When Ahasuerus didn't like him, he's like, out. Every one of us has that problem the same way. So take a look at this. If you're a mother, and Hashem put you in a position of being, a mother is a keres habayis. She runs the home. And sometimes that power is kind of like withheld from you. Any mother has it when your kid gives you a little, little dose of chutzpah and you're like, maybe I'm not the mother. 
maybe I don't have the power, maybe nowadays things are different and I don't know how to run the show and you get scared. Ever had those, that moment where you're like petrified of what's happening next? It's so scary. And you lose your power. You, you like, the ground under you seems to fall and you don't know what am I doing here. That happens to all of us. When you don't have a backbone of having a, a partner in that moment to do it with, it becomes much more difficult. And what do we need to do? So you said, step one is to recognize, identify the problem. The problem is that, right? Okay, so I'm feeling right now, I'm struggling and I'm scared. Don't run away from it. Face the problem, like you say, right? Face it directly. Get a friend, talk to them, identify, label, crystallize the issue. Step one. Step two is surrender. It doesn't work if you try straight away. You have to first know what you're surrendering. Then you say, Hashem, this is yours. There's no way that I know what to do at this stage over here. I give off. I give it over to you. And you feel that. You feel Hashem is just right there with you. And then there comes part three, which is recognizing how much Hashem believes in you. How do you know Hashem believes in you? It's very simple. He gave you the job. Exactly. Those little fellows out there say, at the end of the day, they could say, Mommy, I hate you, but they first say, Mommy. I don't want you to be my mommy. Okay. Find someone else. Uh, but they say the word, Ima. They say the mommy. They recognize that, right? If you brought them into the world and Hashem put you in that position, whatever it is, then God believes in you right now. And what you want to do is you surrender to Hashem and then you're like, okay, now what? I surrender. Now what? Step three. Next step. Push forward one step. I don't know where I'm going. It's like Nachshem Ben Aminata. He jumps into the ocean. Dabriel Ben Aisolviso is like, where am I going? I don't know. Go forward. And you move forward. As soon as you accept the position, right? Empathy. Step one. Identify the problem. Label it. Step two. Surrender. Accept that Hashem is the one doing the show. Hashem is running everything. Step three, accept that Hashem chose to run the show through you. And so, oh, he believes in you. And yes, you can. And you have the power to raise the most unbelievable kids ever, which is fascinating that the next one that happens, right? The most impossible situation, who, who was it impossible to raise in a normal way is Menashe and Ephraim, Right? They were the only two kids who were born out in Mitzrayim. They were the only ones who became Shabbatim on their own. Who was their father? It was a single parent kid. That's what he was. His mother passed away. He was raised by a father. And his siblings hated him. And they sold him. You don't have a problem as big as that. Guarantee you. That's pretty bad sibling rivalry. And what turns out? This kid who... It's unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable. And when that single parent kid is standing over there and he doesn't believe in himself, his father's like, what? And his father turns around, asks him to do something, makes him take an oath, and then he's like, okay, now comes the ultimate download. I'm going to bow down to you. And Hashem does that to each and every one of us. 
he comes over to you and he says, recognize what I made you. Recognize the position that you're in. You're not a, not a lion, right? You're not feeling like a lion. You're feeling like a fox. What's a fox? The second in command, the one who doesn't actually have the power. And you say to Hashem, I surrender, I have no power, nothing. Then he says, Tala be'idnei, a fox, when he's got that moment in his turf, where he is right now, sagidle, bow down to him, because you're going to discover the most unbelievable and amazing and incredible powers. Now try that out. You go three-step process, right? Label the problem. Identify, crystallize. There's probably eight problems at the same time, by the way. Label each one of them. And how you're feeling in that moment. Step two, after you've crystallized the problem, is surrender to Hashem. Accept Hashem. I don't need to be, like, there's this notion that I need to be in this kind of family. I need to be like that. I need to have this position and whatever. Maybe. But I accept that Hashem, you gave me this. That's it. You gave me that. It stinks. But that's what I have. And, okay. And then comes part three. Which is, like, nobody's in control of anything. Hashem says, take one step forward. And it's unbelievable when you do. You're like, okay, what's the next thing to do? Hashem, download the power. Accept you have the power. And you go forward. And you'll see the most unbelievable thing. When the Jews had nowhere to go, didn't know what they're going to do, didn't know what's happening next, what they do. Nachshem and takes one foot into the ocean and he's going, I can't do any more. Hashem, now it's up to you. And you go. You know what you'll see? That you'll raise kids. That, um, I, in my opinion, is that single parent kids will never be normal. Impossible. Can't be normal. So you have a choice. That way they can't be. Either like that, or with a push, like that. And look around. The Yosefs of the generation are all people who came from a lot of challenges and difficulties. They can't be normal. So they go and change the world. They really do. And what they need is a mommy behind them who really pushes and believes. And it's not about pushing. You better do this. It's about a belief. Where does belief in your child come from? From believing yourself. If you believe in yourself and you accept that Hashem gave you this power and Hashem gave you this position and you do that step three, you bow down. You accept, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fox, I'm just a fox, I'm not the, I'm not the lion. Whew, then you get a power. And that's the message that Hashem gives us. The power from Hashem. And you can make wonders and miracles. And that's my thought. <laughs> so what happens if your kid's being close to to you and you throw it up? What do you do then? Your kid's being close to dick and what do you mean? You recognize, okay, I have an issue here, right? And you're like, okay, Sam, one time, I'm sorry. If anyone needs to go, babysitters, whatever, please. Okay. Sorry. Um, oh, what happens then? Square. I don't know.